not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So while it's good to talk about serious things, it's just as important and just as American to have some fun. Now, let's have some fun. Okay. Hello. Hello. Okay. Before we get started, oh, did you yes. see that Rudy Giuliani article? Yeah. Is that, like, was that supposed to be part of the movie? Well, that's like, that's what Sasha Baron Cohen does is he gets these people and doesn't tell them that it's like a movie and then puts them into these situations that they like naturally react negatively to or like participate in so yes it's part of the movie but he 100 percent made a complete idiot out of himself oh my god it's just i don't understand how sasha baron cohen is still tricking career politicians this late in the game yeah that's insane yeah and and (laughs) you know what but that that just goes to it compromises his uh, credibility when it comes to all of these other things. Yeah. Jeez. That's, mm-hmm. that's funny. I can't wait to see that movie. Yeah, it'll be funny. So. Okay, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Welcome back to Leaning Middle, where we take points of view from both sides of the aisle and try to get a, a compromise in the middle and, and look at it from a different point of view. In this episode, we are going to continue the conversation that we started in the last episode on what it will look like, depending on who wins the election. Uh, last time we, we got going on Biden and ran out of time, and, and this time we are going to focus on what it will look like if Trump wins the election and what uh, the, the next four years could be. I am Brian. And I am Eric. And... Uh, Let's let's get right into it. Uh, what are your your thoughts on if Trump wins? So I think right away the first thing to note is if Trump wins the election, um, it'll be very very quick that a second stimulus is passed. I think um, across the board that's kind of what the Republicans have really nailed down on is they really want to make sure that the election is confirmed and that they're going to be able to retain power before um, any sort of meaningful legislation is passed for better or worse. You know, that being said, obviously, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats have just been been equally as combative in halting that process. But um, it seems like right now, in terms of the relief package, the number one barrier to that is how the election is going to turn out. So I think very quickly we'll see that get passed, get get kind of moving in that in that front. And then um, it becomes less clear. You know, I think that is what the main difference between Trump and Biden is, is I'm still not 100 percent sure of what the Trump administration's real policy or plan is for the next several years. Um, you know, I, I I think it's more of the same. But for me, I'm I'm see how post-election will actually change things like the handling of the pandemic or, um, you know, just kind of like the general social unrest across the country with it. So in terms of actionable items, we know a lot less. Um, 
So it'll be interesting to see. And clearly, you know, if if Donald Trump does win, we're going to see a pretty, I would say, pretty major um, several cases of civil unrest, you know, across the country, um, especially with how things stand right now is it would take um, nothing short of, you know, a major story or a major break of some kind of polling numbers change for Trump to be able to come out of this victoriously. So if that does happen and he is, you know, something does come out that hurts Biden or he has a major jump in the polls before uh, November 3rd here, I think a lot of people will perceive it as him rigging it in some way, even if that's not the case. So there's probably going to be, in my opinion, there will be more opportunity for civil unrest and kind of um, protests and demonstrations sparking if Trump were to win re-election versus Biden. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I think that one of the things you're going to see is you will see a definite spike in civil unrest. I guess I question how it will last. Uh, yeah. I think people are tired. Uh, these protests have been going on for, for quite some time. Um, and it, one thing that I think we can count on if Trump wins is the throttle being put down, uh, if, if that makes any sense to you. I think you are going to see him ramp up the law and order rhetoric and, and moving national guard in to squash these faster because he has no repercussions at this point. Like he doesn't have to worry about re reelection, which I would, I would argue with you that he never really did in the first place because he hasn't changed any of the, the rhetoric or the approach. But I think that his advisors, what little control they have on him now, they will lose control on him if he wins again. And I think what you're going to see is the moving of National Guardian to squash these protests pretty fast. And, and it will get it will get ugly before it quiet down. Um, I think you'll see some some pretty, pretty fast fizzling on, on these things, because like we were saying in the last episode, I think people are exhausted. Like this, this has been a very emotionally urged year for a lot of people. Uh, not just politically. I mean, a political season or, or cycle is emotionally charging as well, and it's emotionally taxing. But then you throw in the um, the COVID pandemic and some of the other things that have, have taken place, and I think people are just tired. And, and I think they're tired of the whole thing. And at some point, you just throw your hands up and you say, all right, I'm done with it, and you do whatever you need to do. I'm I'm checking out. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think you're going to have a lot of people that are just going to check out. Yeah. And that's concerning for, for a lot of different levels. But I think what you're going to see from, from the Trump administration is um, they're going to just put the pedal to the metal and push as much as they possibly can through yeah. in the next four years. No, 100%. And I think that is kind of their um, knee-jerk reaction is, okay, you know, somehow we we got through this and somehow we're able to win a second election even when the polling was against us. So they're going to jump right into action before, um, you know, the Democrats have a chance to try to, A, 
you know, raise or delegitimize um, the results of the election or go into a second round of impeachment based off of some kind of other behavior that um, he's been involved in, you know, whether that is his business dealings in China or his tax returns. There's a lot of different routes and avenues that they could take to try to re-engage the impeachment process and then using the fuel and the fire on top of it of the potential for the election to be called into question, that would only kind of add um, validity to their desire to kind of bring him out of power one way or another before the four years is over. So they're probably going to waste zero time jumping into action as quickly as possible to make sure that the items on their agenda are pushed through. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the things that we talked about in the last episode, and we spent a lot of time on it, was what that cabinet would look like and Uh kind of how uh, Biden would structure his new government and and the direction he would take it. We pretty much already know that with Trump. Now, if there's one thing we do know about Trump is he'll probably hire and fire and move people in and out and and see some new faces, but you will pretty much get the same style that that we're getting right now what in your opinion happens with the um let's just say that the senate comes in and takes the majority or the uh democrats come in and take the majority of of uh the house and and what does that look like um for the the republican administration if that happens if um the democrats were to retake both chambers of congress yeah, that, that's what I meant. Okay. Sorry. No, yeah. I think overall it would be um, a major, major blow to the Trump administration because then they would have to start relying majorly on um, executive orders, which can then be challenged legally. And even if the um, Democrats do retake both houses of Congress, then kind of the court packing concerns are off the table because they would need the presidential um, kind of decree to be able to push through something like that involving expanding the Supreme Court. So in that instance, Trump is almost going to have a benefit because um, with the expectation that Amy Comey Barrett is um, pushed through and nominated, that she... uh, Which I don't see how she's not at this point. Exactly. It's almost a certain thing. But uh, by doing that, it'll stack the uh, Supreme Court heavily in the favor of conservatives, which means even if Senate and Congress try to strike down certain things that Trump does, he can ride it all the way up to the Supreme Court and probably get a win, you know, over 50 percent of the time now. So even if the uh, Democrats do retake both chambers of Congress, it can definitely impede the Trump administration in a lot of ways and slow things down. But um for a lot of these kind of more divisive measures, it's going to be really difficult for them to um, actually stop it from taking place. Right. Okay. And let's say everything just stays the way it is right now. Um, what do you think first thing Trump will, will really push um, if he, he wins re-election? It's hard to say, you know, I think, um, what's difficult for me to kind of really understand is that the administration has been, there's been very little policy um, produced, you know, in the last six months, it's been very much just a push at reelection and kind of focusing on what's already been done 
there's been a lot of rhetoric talking about how, you know, we can't do anything more about the current pandemic. So in terms of like the first hundred days of action, I don't know if he's going to jump on anything and really try to push things through as much as like, I wouldn't be surprised if he took a victory tour. Um, I think he'll definitely take a victory tour no matter, but I think he'll jump on the uh, um, Obamacare. And, and I think he'll, he'll try to get that dismantled and, and pushed through. Now he has Amy Cone, Coney Barrett on, on the Supreme court. He actually has a better opportunity than he did before. One of the things that, that I think he'll do right off the bat is he'll, he'll definitely take the victory tour, but I think he's going to, really push us in in trying to um, get the economy back on track and he and he's gonna make some drastic moves to do that and he's going to really push through I think more tax cuts um, and uh, more federal aid um, but we'll we'll see what that that looks like now you brought up a point just a second ago that I thought was interesting. And that was, uh, you, you say he hasn't really, we haven't seen a lot of policy mood on him. I've talked to some very strong Trump reporters, or not reporters, but Trump supporters, mm-hmm. that they kind of go, well, you, you might not like the man himself, but when history writes about him in 20 years, they will say that he was one of the best presidents and his policies were good for the United States. What are they talking about? If you think there hasn't been a lot, why are so many people saying that his policies have made the United States stronger? It seems that across the board... (laughs) I stumped you, didn't I? (laughs) Well, no. I mean, I think a lot of things in terms of making the United States stronger can be looked at kind of trying to shift to an American first focus, which um, has not had great results. But of course, they really put this plan into action right before a uh, pretty, you know, widespread global health crisis took place. So it was it was bad timing. And, um, you know, while arguments can be made on both sides, whether, you know, he had enough wherewithal and enough kind of lead up to do more in terms of helping preserve his approach to making America first in as many ways as possible in coordination with fighting a global pandemic. It also is um, it's worth noting that, you know, a lot of things America does need to do to try to regain its ground as a superpower in the country is bringing jobs back to the country, you know, focusing on, um, our commitments to the American citizens rather than different countries, whether, you know, it's countries that we've invaded and since have been unable to pull our troops out of, or just kind of international agreements like the Paris climate accord or NAFTA or, um, the world health organization. So while a lot of those can be seen as controversial, especially in the light of a pandemic, it still is, um, worth noting that if these things were to work and, you know, at a, at a point when things started to kind of become more normal and less global coordination was required to, to fight the pandemic, it might actually strengthen the American economy significantly. Um, The only downside to that is there's a lot of investment in um, industries that are dying off. You know, whether we like it or not, the coal industry that most of the people living in the Appalachians really 
believed in 2016 that Trump would come in and, and reinvigorate and kind of keep that moving forward is now doing worse than it ever has. And it, it's very clear that it just won't recover. And anybody who thinks yeah. steel or commodities will be um, recovered to the point of the Great Depression eras of production levels is, is kind of living in a fantasy world. I mean, even these plant workers at steel plants in Pennsylvania or these coal workers in West Virginia, they know the reality of the situation. They, they want their jobs to last for as long as possible, but at the exact same time, they are aware that it's just the way that the world's moving is towards renewable energy. So while I think there's a lot of positives in America First stance can take uh, to help the uh, U.S. economy, I also think the flip side of that is that there's a lot of concessions made and unrealistic promises made to a lot of the constituents. So there, there is benefits that the Trump administration has tried to push out and roll out. And unfortunately, the last year, they just haven't been able to really execute anything because their focus has been pulled away from trying to accomplish these pretty big asks as well as handle, you know, the worst global health crisis in the last 100 years. Yeah, no, absolutely. What do you, um, okay. So we kind of know what the administration is going to do. I mean, it's going to be a lot of the same, Uh hopefully amped up or not hopefully, but most likely amped up and pushed a little bit harder. Let's talk about the Republican Party, though, because uh, you and I a while ago had the conversation about, okay, Joe's probably a one term president. We would guesstimate. Yeah. Okay. I don't I don't see him having eight years in him. Um, Not meaning like eight years left. I mean, like eight years of being president in Uh there. Um, Okay, so let's just say that that Trump wins. What is what is the Repu- can't even talk anymore. What does the Republican Party have in the coffers as far as who's going to step up next? And and here's the problem they're going to run into. There's not going to be anybody that can step up and be at that same Trump level. But who's who in the Republican Party is in the wings ready to come out? It's hard to say, you know, and that's where we're looking at the Republican Party is fracturing a little bit and kind of the overall future of the party and who ends up stepping up as kind of the rising stars is dependent upon the results of this election. So if we see um, Trump do, you know, cleanly win uh, re-election, then we're going to see a lot of the people who have been vocal supporters of him try to take um, steps into more of a national spotlight, specifically Matt Gates in Florida. Um, has been very vocal. He's obviously posturing for a higher level position at some point or a um, higher level office run. You also have Jim Jordan out of Ohio who has been posturing um, significantly, hoping to retain his House seat um, in 2022 and be able to push that through as, um, you know, be able to move up in government. You also have, you know, the senators that have been brutally loyal to Trump, your Ted Cruz's, your Lindsey Graham's. And uh, while Ted's already kind of tried a push at president, um, there's no holding back on, you know, what what his next elevation might be, considering his name was thrown around as a Supreme Court justice. And, you know, the reality of the situation is if Trump wins four more years, he very well could talk to one of these more conservative justices and say, hey, why don't you step down so I can cement this um, 
majority for, you know, 40 to 50 years, not just like 10, 10 years or something. So it is interesting in that aspect across the board of it. But if Trump were to lose reelection and the GOP kind of falls into an identity crisis, it'll be really interesting to see who comes out, because I think there's a lot of different rising uh, Republican stars who are more in the moderate stance. You know, they're more leaning middle. Um, And that could be kind of the reaction to. Okay, well, you know, we tried Trumpism for four years. Obviously, it got widely dejected by the American public. So let's return to kind of the traditional conservative roots and values. And at that point, we're going to see, I think, much younger individuals start to rise up through the ranks. Yeah, I'm kind of in a a situation where I don't I I think that if Trump wins reelection, typically what you see is you see the president in their last four years really try to move their policies through, but they also really kind of help position their party for when they're done. Yeah. And I don't, I don't see Trump being that team player. I I don't see him coming in and, and really trying to make the Republican party stronger. I think he's, what he's going to do is he's going to move He's going to try to move the Republican Party even further right than than where it is right now. And I think it's going to cause a lot of fracturing within the the Republican Party. I mean, you you see some Republicans jumping from the party right now going, this party no longer represents what I joined up for or or what my core beliefs are and and more of a Reaganism type party. Uh, I think that... The problem that the the Republican Party is going to run into is there is no prepping taking place right now. Yeah, I don't really see that rising star. I mean, the the Republican Party doesn't have that Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, the Republican Party doesn't have um, some of those those really vibrant, um, you know, Kamala Harris. Uh, whether you like them or not, they're polarizing. But to me. The Republican Party looks old right now. Yeah. When when you see who's there, and I mean, you have some young, um, young rising stars, but they're not at that same position or same polished uh, level yet of where the Democrats are. And, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing for the Republicans is um, getting people to look past what Trump is. And, and where Trump is going and what he's doing and look into the party and go, okay, who's coming up? I think that's where the Democrats have done a, a much better job of making it a more of a holistic approach where it's, we're all coming kind of thing. I mean, you got Amy, you've got Pete, those guys are talking to it. They, their Democrats seem so much more um, together and cohesive in their messaging and their movement Whereas the Republicans, and, and now you've got a, a separate problem. Let's say Trump does win. What about the Republicans that have been dancing themselves in these recent weeks from Trump? Well, what's going to happen when, when they all get back in there and win again? It, it's not, if you know anything about Trump, it's not going to be a slap you on the back and, hey, glad you won and everything else. He's going to be like, no, you you were distancing yourself from me. You're dead to me now. Get out of here. Very true. So I don't – I'm looking really hard to see where there's a cohesive path forward for the Republican Party. 
and I'm, I'm really struggling to see who that next person's going to be that, that leads it number one, but number two, I think you had a bigger problem with the parties before Trump got elected. And that is why Trump got elected. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really anybody strong in the wings or, or leading the Republican party. And that's why an outsider with no political um, juice came in and destroyed it. Yeah. And when I say destroyed it, I don't mean like destroyed the Republican party, but destroyed how he presented as how exactly. So that's kind of, you know, what I'm looking at is what, what does that look like? And one thing that, that we could talk about is, you know, Trump's policies and the Republican policies right now seem to be very much in the foreign policy positive versus the domestic policy positive. I think Jared Kushner's probably done a, a really good job with uh, a lot of our foreign policy. Where do you see the Trump kids and, and when I say kids, I mean, it's yeah. family is, is pretty well entwined in, in all of this. Where do you see them going within this party? Or do you see them all exiting at the same time? I think right now it's pretty clear like um, that Kushner and Ivanka are looking for some sort of run in the future. You know, I, I think Don Jr. and Eric Trump are much more interested in the business side of things. I think both of them have demonstrated that they're not really cut out for politics as they are. See, Go ahead. And, and I, oh, well, I was going to say, I thought Eric, or, uh, Donald Trump Jr. when they got started, I thought he was really going to be the one that stepped up and was the next Trump to, to be the politician. Um, but we've seen him really back off from that. Yeah. And it's almost a thought process of, you know, I think he, he liked having fun. You know, he liked being able to do things outside of the public limelight. He liked being able to live his life and be somewhat of, you know, kind of a party boy. And, uh, now being in the public eye at all times, and then also having every single thing he says challenged is going to only make things more difficult for him to live the life that he actually wants to live. And in my mind, Kushner and Ivanka have been much more involved in the real policy and the execution of policy and the strategic planning. But, you know, it also brings up concerns with um, the release of taxes. uh, I'm sorry, the release of Trump's taxes from the New York Times showing that he was paying off Ivanka you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars relatively regular under a consulting basis. So that could actually inhibit her ability to kind of step into politics properly. And I, you know, while Kushner's had success in some areas and tremendous failures in others, I'm not sure if I've ever heard him actually talk. It, it, it seems hard. I've heard him in a couple interviews. It would seem hard for him to become... He kind of suffers from the same issue Pete Buttigieg does, where they're obviously very intelligent individuals, but the charisma is lacking. The politician side is lacking. Yeah. Well, and, you know, Jared Kushner is not exactly who I would have imagined Ivanka Trump ending up with. But, uh, you know, those people are very, um, very attracting as well, um, because, you know, it is easy to read them yeah um and and uh 
you get the same thing. It's very consistent. So um, one of the things that, that we have to kind of talk about is there's a lot of impending uh, investigations and allegations against the Trump family right now. Um, and that's something that we have to take into consideration with the next four years. One of the questions I have for you is, um, let, let's play a quick quick game on this, over-unders. Um, do you think Trump gets uh, gets impeached again if he wins re-election? Um, absolutely. I see it happening within the four years. And, and like a full removal impeachment or just uh, slap on the hand and, and you're impeached again? I could see a full removal, but it really will be dependent upon um, the uh, Democrats retaking the majority in the Senate is at that point, if he does do something flagrant or, you know, more than anything, I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually something that Rudy Giuliani is doing currently and doesn't doesn't really know what he's doing or it's just something coming out with some sort of foreign (laughs) interference um, is there's a likelihood that he could then get the votes to be removed from office. And at which point it'll be very interesting to see how that entire thing plays out. But I would say the over under is, I would say almost a hundred percent chance he gets impeached again with only like a 30 to 50% chance of him getting removed. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there. I think there's too many investigations, too many allegations and, and uh, you know, he already has that air of, of, he almost doesn't, he cares. I'm, this is going to sound bad, but that he doesn't care about that type of stuff, and he's going to just keep keep doing what he's doing. Um, so I would I would go with Danny Overs on on the uh, hundred percent that he's going to get impeached again. Now the the next question is: um, Do you overs or unders that he actually releases his taxes? Uh, oh, I would say he one hundred percent will not release his taxes. I think that is <laughs> there's no reason for him to, you know, especially if he goes and wins the uh, wins the election. There's there's no reason for him to do that, and I think he knows that. You know, there might not be any bombshells in the taxes, but I think more than anything, it might show that he is worth a lot less money than he claims to be, which I think is his main focus is appearing strong and appearing as a successful businessman. So I don't see him um, releasing his taxes as it wouldn't really benefit much. Right. So, um, and uh, do you think that Trump will be able to um, actually unite the United States right now, it, it's obviously divided. I, I don't think there's anybody on any side of the aisle that can say we're a united nation right now. You think Trump has it in him to be able to uh, unite and squash these uh, social unrest and address the um, systemic racism problem in this, this country? I think it will take a lot of work in order for him to actually start to unite the country. He's going to need to change intrinsically as a leader. So I think it would be very hard pressed for him to um, jump into these things and actually, you know, change because right now it comes down to, I'm not so worried about the policy as much as his rhetoric. And I think that's, what's creating a lot of the divisiveness is what he's saying out loud. Right. So, well, but as somebody told me when when I was debating him uh, earlier this week, which was, 
well, people who understand politics look at the policy. They don't look at the rhetoric or the man. You, you're making an emotional decision because you're looking at the, the rhetoric or the man. Absolutely. Do you think that that's a viable argument? I don't. I don't because overall when you stop and you really look at what um, – what politics is, is uh, emotion plays a part. Rhetoric plays an enormous role in it. Um, you know, if it, it, it would be great if everybody could just divorce themselves from emotion and look at things from a policy standpoint. But um, that's not what being a leader is. You know, a leader knows how to promote empathy. A leader knows how to actually have sympathy for others and work to solve issues, not just pass laws and then say like, Hey, I did this for you. And they're not actually reaping the benefits or they're not feeling any sort of the effects from these things because his rhetoric is so toxic that, you know, even if he has done a lot for minority communities in different aspects, just the failure to condemn white supremacy on a national stage, it, it speaks so much louder than these really intricate policy points that the general public might not even be interested in diving into and learning more about. I think uh, the facts don't care about your feelings is one of the stupidest things that has ever become a thing in political debates because governing a country involves just as much emotional intelligence as it does policy intelligence. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, and that's along the same lines. I didn't put it as eloquently <laughs> as you did, but uh, um, okay, we have two minutes. What are you most looking forward, and this is going to be a hard one for you because I know your side, but what are you most looking forward to if Trump wins? I would say if Trump is able to re-secure the White House, and uh, my knee-jerk would be hopefully more of a unity because I think if he will win, the Democrats will retake the Senate, which would force his hand into being more of a team player to try to get things to actually be accomplished and get things done. So that is um, – that's kind of my big thing is my hope would be some level of working together again. Okay. And what would you be most afraid of? That nothing changes that we just kind of keep on the path that we're going. Division is uh, not addressed and continues to be widened and used as a talking point. Yeah. Um, for me, it's, I'm most looking forward to, um, being able to move forward in some of these. Um, I still think that Trump could be a good negotiator and get deals done. I would like to see him and hopefully he will be able to, to get some things done. He says that uh, he's going to get all of these, these things accomplished. I want to see him actually accomplish them. And, and there's a lot of people on the Trump side that, that come in and say, he has done what he said he was going to do and he's addressing them in the VA and, and everything else. And, and they're right that there have been some great policy moves uh, and, and pushing some of them through. Unfortunately, they're overshadowed by all the other crap that he says and does and, or doesn't do. I want to see him focus on actually doing those policies. And, and I'm most looking forward to him not having to worry about uh, re-election and everything else. And that gets him refocused back into policy movements yeah. and, and getting things accomplished. I think for the last year, year and a half, and, and we kind of look at it, and it, it, I think you can say that Trump hasn't really changed since he's been in there. I would say he's amped it up the last year, year and a half since he's been in re-election mode. And a lot of times, a first-time president, you're in re-election mode your whole presidency the first term. 
I want to, I'm hoping I'm looking forward to him not having to worry about reelection and getting in there and moving policy yeah. and, and addressing policy issues or the swamp is, as as we call it. What I'm most afraid of is the same thing with you. Nothing changes. In fact, um, rhetoric increases because there's, there's nothing to hold him back anymore. Um, there's, I'm afraid that, that he really drives that divisive uh, wedge even further into the nation um, because it, it's going to be his way or highway and nothing else. And he will purposely uh, withhold things. He will purposely attack people. I, there's no reason for him to be in this ugly back and forth with the gover- governor of Michigan Yeah, with, with Gretchen. That, that's unpresidential, and I'm afraid you're going to see more of that. He's he's just going to call people out because he doesn't like them or because he doesn't agree with their policies. And and I and my biggest fear, and and this is by far my biggest, and this is my son's biggest fear too. He's going to ignore the science and pull us further and further away from climate controlling uh, initiatives and. Um, fixing a lot of the the problems that we have on the the emissions and in the climate side and ignoring science and, and putting us behind yeah um where, where we were and that was already pretty far behind so that that would be my my biggest biggest fear on that one yeah i completely agree so, cool well uh wrapping it up it's okay to to be on the left or the right as long as we all agree that there's a middle and and we got to get to it and we look forward to exploring that common ground with you next episode and if you like what you heard and uh want to hear more of it hit that subscribe button that like button wherever you get your podcasts and definitely share it with your friends and uh let's get this movement started absolutely all right have a good one talk to you